Hello and welcome to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. I'm your host, Emilio Garcia. Today, we talk to Satya Marar of the ATA about his participation on a panel about nuclear energy. Please enjoy the episode and stick around after the episode to learn more about the ATA. So here we are once again at the Australian Taxpayers Alliance office. I'm here with our policy director, Satya Marar. Uh, Before we jump into it, um, as we know, we're going to have a short episode. This time we have an important event coming up tomorrow, uh, which we'll be uh, telling you more about in next week's podcast. But right now we did want to get you on to talk about uh, a very interesting panel you participated in yesterday. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, the federal government here is now looking into uh, finally removing the ban on nuclear power generation. Mm. Australia, of course, has some of the world's largest reserves of uranium and untapped reserves of thorium. Uh, It's an innovative technology. It's spreading rapidly throughout Asia at the moment. Uh, And a lot of European countries as well, uh, you know, are are invested heavily in it. Uh, It's about 70% of France's energy. Mm. And yet Australia is always lying behind the times, as always. Uh, Since the 80s, we've had a complete ban uh, pushed by zealous, ideologically motivated uh, hipsters and, uh, you know, this whole activist movement. Mm. So, uh, you know, I had the chance to appear on the, on the, at the um, House of Reps Committee okay. on Energy and Environment. And look, you know, we, we're dealing with high electricity prices. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with, you know, whether you like it or not, uh, moves to reduce carbon emissions mm. and to move, you know, to satisfy our international obligations you know there's idiots gluing themselves in the street uh (laughs) it's tempting not to run them over but um you know at the end of the day nuclear power is probably the most viable option in terms of keeping everyone happy it also seems to be politically feasible uh if 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 uh all sides were being honest we'd see oh well nuclear has a smaller foot uh carbon footprint than almost any other source of energy so it would seem that that would be a, a really um good way to go forward we all get cheaper energy, and you guys get a reduction in carbon emissions. Doesn't seem to be the argument. Why are there so many uh, people continuing to be opposed to nuclear energy? Well, um, you know, I'm not one to endorse conspiracy theories, but I'll mm. just, you know, I'll just throw this out there. Uh, it's rather is it, adroit, is it the lizards you know, under the ground? Um, look, uh, okay. you know, those those lizards are my friends, uh, so I can't slag them publicly. Um, but but look. Um, the, the current moves by the green movement mm. have always been to push wind and solar power right. as being their preferred sources. Mm. You have the strange situation where very wealthy corporates, wealthy energy companies, wealthy hedge funds and investment funds now have diehard Marxists on their side doing their job for them, mm. marching to the streets, lobbying for these companies to get more subsidies, uh, to prop up their unreliable and expensive energy sources, mm. uh, sources which rely heavily on fossil fuel backup. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have this interesting situation where energy companies who love fossil fuel also love wind and solar because it lets them get a premium price both on the fossil fuel they need to so-called firm up renewables and on the renewable energy itself. Mm. Uh, whereas nuclear is completely new. You know, it's completely uh, out of field at the moment. Uh, and that, uh, that basically means that uh, these guys have less to gain. Yeah. And yeah. 
I got you. And one of the things, and I, I think I think that you and I would agree that we we don't uh, we don't stand opposed at all to diversifying the the grid as it's called. Where we're happy to see solar, we're happy to see um, different types of energy, uh, natural gas, for example, come into play. What we're not happy with is this move to say it, it can only be these two energy sources and everything else has to go by the wayside. As you mentioned right now, a lot of these energy sources have to be compensated. Solar energy is a great example. I think people don't realize that once the sun goes out, that energy isn't stored away anywhere. So it's not like we can take all the energy we produce during the day and keep the lights on during the night. I think that's one of the common uh, misconceptions. So I was wondering what some of the arguments were against nuclear in yesterday's panel. Because obviously you had a, a pretty pro-nuclear. Um, look, I, I should point out that uh, the way the panel sessions are conducted, mm. they, they tend to get people who agree with each other mm -hmm. on each panel, yeah. and they interview the panel separately. So I got the chance to sit alongside a representative from the uh, uh, Australian Energy Policy Institute yeah. um, and some other advocacy groups mm. are fighting for legalized nuclear power. Mm -hmm. Now, these guys are by no means, you know, necessarily even from the same side of politics and policy as we are. Right. Uh, we simply agree strongly on this issue. Mm. They're coming at it from perspective of, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, energy neutrality yeah. and having smart energy policy mm. uh, and also, you know, decarbonization. Yep. For us, it's about delivering value for the taxpayer and the consumer mm -hmm. and having all the options out there on the table. Uh, in terms of arguments against, look, a lot of it is hysteria. You know, uh, there are groups who come out raising valid concerns, but then in terms of the magnitude of the concern, they'll overblow it. Right. So, for example, we all care about having safety uh, met. We all care about having waste disposed of safely. Mm -hmm. uh, and we all care about not having costs run insanely high, as they have in some countries that right. have tried nuclear. Mm -hmm. But the answer to these questions is to have the right regulations in place. These guys love to bring up things like, oh, look, uh, you know, in Finland... Uh, they have massive delays and it's running over cost to construct plants. In the USA, it costs $10 billion. But these countries aren't the best models. A good model is South Korea. Okay. South, South Korea, they've been able to construct reactors cost-effectively and on time, consistently. Mm -hmm. They have the right regulations in place and they're exporting their designs to all sorts of countries. So uh, we have the chance to learn from the best in the world. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think uh, also, I mean, that all that is great for the taxpayer, obviously, what we can see is lower cost. What, why is it so much cheaper for the taxpayer to have, um, to have nuclear as opposed to coal or, or uh, uh, solar? Look, as things currently stand, uh, nuclear is not as cheap over its life cycle as coal is. Mm. So, so nuclear is on a per unit energy cost, uh -huh. like exponentially cheaper than coal is. You get mm. a lot more energy out of the same uh, mass or amount of nuclear right. material. Uh, the issue is that uh, nuclear plants at the moment have very high cap capital costs. They mm. cost a lot of money to construct, depending on the regulations that are in place. And, you know, you need some pretty strong regulations, just balanced ones. Mm -hmm. um, but the issue right now is we are dealing with a grid where coal is shutting down rapidly, mm -hmm. where government policy is basically fostering that by subsidizing renewables. Yep. Um, and in a situation like this, where we've committed to lower our emissions and all that, whether you like it or not, and this is the direction the world is moving in, um, we have to be realistic and say, look, what feasible solution is there to keep prices cheap, but to also have reliable and, uh, you know, affordable power. And nuclear is that option. And if you look at countries like Germany and Japan, which have scaled down nuclear mm. in the last 10 years or so, uh, two things have happened. 
Firstly, their reliance on fossil fuel goes to the roof, so their emissions go up. Mm -hmm. And secondly, prices have gone up massively. Right. We want to avoid that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, one thing that I think concerns a lot of people, and I think this actually has a lot to do with, uh, incidentally, with comic book culture applied into a broader sense, is the waste. Like a lot of people think we're going to have just barrels and barrels of green goo coming out of these factories and being put in all types of problematic places. What's the what's the deal? What's the deal with uh, with the waste that uh, nuclear plants would produce? What's interesting is um, we already have a reactor outside Sydney in Lucas Heights. It's a test reactor. Mm. A lot of research is conducted there. Uh, so it really it's in our own backyard already, and they dispose the waste quite safely. From what I heard at the hearing. Uh, some of the things they do is they put some of the low-level waste into uh, drums and encase it in concrete. Mm -hmm. uh, they do the same with, I believe, some of the high-level waste too. Um, in 2006, when they had an inquiry into nuclear in Australia, uh, they found that about 13% of the area of South Australia alone, just looking at one state. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a state with a 1 million population and the area size three times that of California. Mm -hmm. And California has 35 million people. Right. Um, thirteen percent of that entire state. Now that's an insane amount of area. Uh, we're talking. I mean, if you do the maths, probably half of California. No, well, my maths is terrible. <laughs> I went to law school. Um, <laughs> the point is, there's a lot of places where you can safely dispose of waste in Australia, right. uh, and uh, not have it have any chance of affecting families, communities, mm. or agriculture or water. And uh, you know, it's to the point where all the research and investigation has not only recommended that it's good for us but that we could have a thriving industry taking other countries' waste that's right. and getting paid to dispose of it here without affecting us. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that seems reasonable, especially considering the amount of, of uh, disposable space that we have at our disposal in Australia. Um, but it seems interesting that there still seems to be a fear uh, about the possibility of some kind of accident or some kind of disaster. Obviously, one of the, uh, the, the most famous shows on TV right now is Chernobyl. Uh, we also had uh, what happened in Japan sometime back. And um, I mean, I would never suggest that this is representative, obviously, of a greater uh, trend because we because it isn't, because it's, it actually happens to be two blimps. But why don't you talk to that a little bit about the, the general safety uh, in relation to this fear? of some kind of disaster. Sure. So there's this big disconnect between the way things are perceived and what the actual mm. ground objective reality is. Um, coal has technically killed millions and millions of people throughout history, mm. uh, simply due to air pollution, not accounting for any of the other things like mining disasters and so on, mm. which, by the way, are super more frequent even today yeah. around the world mm. than any uh, nuclear incident that's ever happened. Right. Uh, the like very few people have actually died from nuclear when you compare it to the number of people who've died from coal disasters, uh, as well as the number of people who've died from wind and solar disasters. Mm. You know, there have been situations where a wind turbine has caught on fire and killed people. Yeah. Uh, tons of birds and animals end up dying, right. or getting fried by solar panels, I'm not making this up, right. uh, and getting chopped to, sh chopped to shit by wind turbines. Yeah. Um, so there's that perception issue. But separate to that, if you look at the incidents singled out by the nuclear, anti-nuclear, you know, zealots, mm. uh, Chernobyl, you know, was a mistake on the fault of the people running it. Yeah. It was a Soviet Union uh, and, you know, they have a tendency to cover up things. We don't quite to this day know all the details of what happened. Right. Um, but that was a single incident. Looking at Fukushima, this was the perfect storm of everything that can go wrong and not to do. It was a plant, an old design. Mm. built along the sea near a tectonic fault line, a tsunami zone. 
this doesn't apply to Australia at all, right? So that's one thing. Mm. Separate to that, um, the actual magnitude of risk and death from that incident, almost nothing. In fact, uh, they've done studies and found out that a vast majority of the negative harm is psychosocial. People mm. panicking and leaving the area rather than actual physical risk to health. Mm. Um, so really, the, the ground reality is that this is something that's very suitable for Australia. Mm. It can be done cost-effectively if we have the right regulations in place and we you know, in, encourage uh, investment by mitigating the political risk. Mm. Um, and it's not even on the table. Uh, and you know, all we're saying is, look, let's have a rational grown-up adult conversation. Mm. Let's not be misled by hysteria. Yeah, and uh, if you had to put money on it, what do you what do you reckon? Will we will we have uh, nuclear energy anytime soon? Uh, I, I not anytime soon, mm. but I'm hundred percent sure it'll be part of the future. You know, the people who oppose it are on the wrong side of history. Innovations are happening, whether we like it or not, all around the world. Smaller modular reactors with low construction costs are uh, you know coming up everywhere, and we will be best placed to take advantage of these once we sort our regulations out. And uh, even if the ban is lifted, which it hopefully will be, with the advocacy of our group and others. Um, it'll still be some time before the regulations are finalized, but we'd be very keen to be a part of that process. Mm. And uh, I'll certainly look forward to uh, lower prices and on my electricity bill, even if it's not anytime soon. Satya, thanks a ton for being here, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to Adapod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. If you care to know more about the ATA, visit their website, www.taxpayers.org where you'll be able to see their mission statement, their projects, campaigns, objectives, and so much more. Remember, listening to the podcast is free, but creating it isn't. If you'd like to continue to see the Australian Taxpayers Alliance advocacy, please consider becoming a member or donating. You can do this on their website as well. This has been Adipod. We'll see you next time.